Hey there, rugby fans. Welcome to another great episode here on the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. A reminder, my name is Ty Braga, your host for today's activities alongside the familiar faces of Scott, the big guy Ferrara, wearing his suave, of course, drinking his uh, guillotini, sipping it down, and uh, of course... We'll learn more why in a moment, right? <laughs> but more importantly, let's swing it over to uh, to Rob. Give him a how's it. Rob, there he is. You see him. And more importantly, last but not least, joining us from the rugbyshop.com is representing them, Kyle Ferguson. Kyle, welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks again, guys. 50th episode, pretty exciting stuff. So I'm glad to be here. And I had to um, rock the Rooney gear after they beat LA and I talked trash right. to Mr. Ted Cake there. So yes. <laughs> had to own it. Had to own it. So thanks for having me, guys. Well, it is a pleasure, man. And you're right. It is also good to be able to see somebody beat the Giltinis, who they believed was unstoppable. But I believe it was Scott Lawrence who said to be able to beat them, you first need to beat the legend, right? And uh, that's what's happened. And we're going to be diving into that during the course of this episode when we get to the latter part of this presentation where we're going to be talking about that matchup between, of course, Rooney and Giltinis at Cochrane Stadium. But before then, I want to be able to hand the mic back to our, our guest of honor here, Kyle. Uh, of course, you are there with the Rugby Shop guys, who is a key sponsor for Major League Rugby right now this season. Uh, you guys are almost popped up overnight, so to speak, but I know it's a lot of hard grinding on your side. So tell us a little bit about, in a nutshell, who is the RugbyShop.com? Well, thanks for that intro. <laughs> RugbyShop.com, what are we? We are a bunch of rugby guys wanting to give back to rugby is basically what it is at the end of the day. Um, our co-founders do that started out of the back of a truck basically um i think the main thing for us at the rugby shop as opposed to shop mlr is we're looking at the clubs right we're looking to help every club out there that needs the help um there's always the one guy in the club that does everything merch you know ordering kit let's order 100 hoodies and now i have to go through them well guess what there's a better way and we are right. the better way <laughs> so we'll look after all that for you pre-orders all that kind of stuff i know these guys mention us all the time and say you know come to us for kit but online shops we fulfill anything custom you're looking for we fulfill like we do it for you so that you don't have to bother we give you a kickback at the end of the day and bob's your uncle right so, and you're setting up online stores for them distribution you bet i mean you're so, basically the one-stop shop right one stop we're doing the chicago riot we're working with those guys over there in chicago right now seattle rugby club on the other coast so girls rugby yeah. inc as well of course supporting uh rugby youth you bet so, and, and i was gonna exactly say you know by the way, uh, I saw the Chicago Riot store and I looked at all the merch and, and, and I'm a Blaze guy through and through. I almost stopped and said, I got to have some of that. But I, you know, my real. Because <laughs> we all know it came out and I had to find myself. With the, with like swag. Scott, I'm an absolute merch whore. So I'm pretty much, yeah, I'll wear one yeah. of those and I'll wear one of those. We know. <laughs> you're, you're representing the arrows right now. So we know. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Honestly, yep. my wife, like I, I, my stuff has now been my rugby stuff has been banished out of the normal household, and it's now <laughs> down to the basement where I have all my rugby stuff, and it's got its own space. Um, but you know, as I say, you can never really have enough rugby gear, right? 
Yeah. My wife yeah. now buys me clothes that have no rugby on it and just brings it home and says, you're wearing this. So, yeah. Well, we digress. And talking about rugby is why we're here, gentlemen. So let me take an opportunity to remind those viewers at home who may not yet be familiar with us here on the Rugby Rad podcast. Well, we are a team of guys that talk about rugby, that think we know what we're talking about, and uh, we like to be able to debate those points. But more importantly, how does it work? Well, each of these guys has two minutes to be able to rant on the topic at hand, which has been chosen by you as the fans on our social media at the handle at Rugby Rant Pod, where you can follow us each week with a poll that is set up. This week, what came out on tops was the question, what defines the rugby style of MLR and how does it compare to leagues elsewhere in the globe? So if you gentlemen are given two minutes and go over your two minutes to rant, you will be awarded the yellow card, what we like to be able to call on the Rugby Rad, say it with me, the cheese. The cheese. Exactly. You can tell we rehearsed that one very well. Um, <laughs> so if you continue forward, uh, it will be, uh, and you continue to infringe, should I say, you may be escalated to the red, which means Kyle, that you could miss Kyle, a round in the debate. Hold uh, up your so. beverage, Kyle. The wine with the cheese, as we like to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's not a wine. Let's see if he's gonna. If he's not a cheese. <laughs> well, I was gonna ask: Have you ever given a guest a card? No, I you're gonna be yeah. first. Okay, Done. Rob. Robin fringes all the time. Yeah, he's oh, not a guest on. though. Right? No, we give we've given him a card. We just haven't given one the uh, the red card. But we're uh, I'm pushing for you to get it. You so. ready? Okay. We're all yeah. voting. Glad you don't card. have it in your pocket. So I have a yellow card. <laughs> Let's I made it just for you, Kyle. To the topic at hand as we move forward to be able to remind everybody and those on screen with us here that with their two minutes, they need to put as many points forward to help us understand what they believe defines Major League Rugby and its style of rugby right now and how it compares to elsewhere in the world. At the end of this round, we'll see who has put the best points forward, who best helps us define rugby in America and Canada. And we open the floor with our guest, Kyle Ferguson. Kyle, take the floor. Since we didn't have much time to rehearse this, we're just going to wing it. So from... What I would gather, obviously, I would go with the Southern Hemisphere. With the open style of play, the lots of points, the less boring style. Scott, sorry, but, you know, that, that Northern Hemisphere stuff can get uh, kind of dry at times. But I think with the signings as well and the amount of Southern Hemisphere, I would say older people, not elder statesmen, but older-ish that are in the league, would um, they're older than me. That's it. Okay. Yeah, that's it. Probably younger, actually, but still old as... Anyways, as per professional standards, they're on the older side of that, let's say. But um, there's a lot more Southern Hemisphere guys, high profile, as opposed to the Northern Hemisphere, in from what I've seen. So I think just them coming has led to that style of play, as opposed to the Rob Shaws who, what did he last, 20 minutes before he hurt his shoulder, right? Like, they're, there's not a lot of the Northern Hemisphere guys in the MLR at this point, so... Um, I think that leads right into the Southern Hemisphere style with all those guys that are here playing, Cecil Africa, Gitto, Cooper. There's a lot. So right, yeah, that's what I got. Can go on. Yeah, it's a big list. So that's um, that's why I would go with more Southern Hemisphere. Even the coachings, right? The coaches are more, much more Southern Hemisphere than Northern Hemisphere. So right. I think it all just leads to that open style of play. Now, whether that was planned or not 
you'd have to ask the powers that be, but um, I think it does make for more entertaining play. I'm a guy that has grown up in the game and I love the game. So the Northern Hemisphere definitely has its place. You know, the breakdowns and everything there are much more technical, let's say, than the Southern Hemisphere where everybody just gets out and plays and let's go to the next one. But um, I think this one leads more to the Southern Hemisphere, in my opinion. Uh Help, help us uh, understand, when you say the Southern Hemisphere, the three big nations that people think of is New Zealand, South Africa, and Australia. Would you say it's kind of a blend of these different styles, or is it more swinging yeah. towards one nation than another? I would say it, it's a blend for sure, and I would also throw Argentina with the amount of guys that are here sure. playing in the league from there as well, right? But it goes to that tri-nations style of play all over i think they all play a more open game than the northern hemisphere in general right and and i would tend to agree with you and you know another person who's huge advocate of southern hemisphere rugby of course is mr rod hammerschmidt who's a hurricanes fan let's see what he thinks um i i i agree with kyle and i think it's a much more reflective of of a southern hemisphere style i would say uh it's much more australia like tasman based and the reason I say that is I don't know that there's much as much of an emphasis on this scrummaging piece. Of course, that's been taken away a little bit because of the the, the code um, changes for this season. Um, you know, we we see we're starting to see more creativity in the lineout. You notice it most most significantly from LA, but um, I absolutely think um, it, it's a strong Tasman influence. You've got three, you know, Australian. Um, coaches that I that I know of specifically uh Paul Healy uh in Houston Nola of course has has Nate Osborne um and in LA of course you have a, a whole coaching Coleman, yeah. staff there but you notice I, I want to pick up on the one piece LA plays a very flat style they play a one three three one very flat style I mean when that ball gets passed it is very close to the game line sometimes so much so that it looks like it's a forward pass, and that's very right. typical of the uh, of the Australian and New Zealand style of play. So, you know, South Africa tends to have more much more strong set pieces, scrummaging, um, you know, physical back row forwards, and I don't know that that we had those kind of players as pervasively throughout the league as as they do in South Africa. Right. So to to rewind a little bit, and for those that aren't so well versed in the rugby terminology that you use, when you're talking about a one three three one, you're essentially talking about the makeup of your attacking line. And yeah. so pods is what we refer to in rugby, and that three pod is most crucial. And what it is is you have three players that are attacking that defensive line, but they're waiting to the fraction before that impact is made to be able to either make the pass or decide, am I taking contact, uh, or will somebody else be able to take that ball on for me? So you're saying that with L.A. being kind of a leader in the league right now, not only in position in the league, of course, on the points table, but it's in, certainly in terms of that style of running rugby, take it right up to the gain line, make those last-second decisions that are those beautiful little pop passes that allow that break on the inside. And if you look at their line break record, it does reflect this. Yeah. But, of course, it didn't quite do that in the Rooney game, which we'll uh, talk about later. We'll talk about later. But, like, it, just think about how many uh, inside passes Van der Merwe has taken yeah. right. uh, to break the game line. Think about how many times that ball's come back inside from the forwards or, or come out from, like, a guy like Cottrell or, or uh, with their, their captain, whose name escapes me in the second row, has done a really nice job of getting Dave the ball Dennis. out to the backs. Yeah. yeah, Dave Dennis, right. So, um, you know, uh, I think they so, just 
play that Tasman yeah, style would, much more. Yeah, much more. Would, hey, those are all the all Southern Hemisphere guys that are all running those and used to running those same lines, right? right. And then right. you throw a DTH in there who's just a support machine and away yeah. you go. Right. right, obviously experience at all different levels of the game. So a great candidate to be able to finish those runs. So let's swing it over to Scott Ferrara to hear what he thinks. Let's get hot, baby. So I think you, you have to take a look at it. I don't think there's a style in the MLR, to be quite honest. There's teams with similar styles, and then there's teams that aren't similar. I mean, I think I feel Rooney is the outlier. I think what Greg McWilliams was trying to build at Rooney was something that they do at Team USA, which Greg Williams uh, McWilliams is a part of, which is have those set pieces that the Northern Hemisphere has, excel at those set pieces, but on the back line play have that 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 Southern Hemisphere feel. And you could tell by the makeup of the squad, you know, you still have James Rochford up there anchoring that uh, front line with Dylan Fawcett, and then now Zach Towalafu has come in, you know, and and that that engine in the scrum is working there. What what you what you don't see with a team like Rooney, which is considered like a Northern Hemisphere style team up front, is the box kicking. What they've decided to do was they they do have guys with bigger legs out in the back line. Their exit kicks are now coming from the back line and not necessarily box kicking, which Mike Petrie in 2019 was a box kicking machine. I mean, he excelled at it. Um, so I think you have to go squad by squad. I don't really think it's a blanket statement that, you know, it's Southern Hemisphere. I think people are trying to work it out. And I think it depends on the adjustment. So, you know, we've seen Rooney play San Diego. We've seen Rooney play uh, Old Glory where they have this attacking line and they play this this flowing rugby. They did it against NOLA. It didn't work. And then we saw them play against L.A. and they had more, at, as Kyle said, of a northern hemisphere feel about running the ball with their forwards. You know, again, kind of grinding it out in the scrum. And, and I feel like Rooney is, has been um, in their scrum, has been the best scrummaging team. But, you know, for whatever reason, the officials don't. You know, the officials, th this is a gripe on me. The officials always give the penalty to whoever. No, the officials always give the penalty to wh whoever has the input of the ball, which is not necessarily what's going on. Because Rooney was doing it against LA, where everybody knows LA's scrum isn't the best. Rooney is now overpowering them, willing the scrum, but they give it to LA, the penalty, because the pudding was to LA. And you could tell your buddy, Kyle, our, our friend Mike Lash, you know, maybe he should he should study up on some of the dark arts here because I, I, I just feel it's, it's well, you know, I, no, seriously, Rooney, Rooney yeah. is powering these teams and they what la wasn't the only team they've done this to and then they just give the penalty to the opposing team because they had to put it doesn't really make sense so yeah. two things a, here um yeah, yeah rob please. is reminding me my assistant referee yeah, in the top left hand corner has indicated that there is an a, put a, a flag uh, out yeah I, does, it, <laughs> does it look like does it look like no, a bashing you. officiating in the mlr Boy. Listen, Scott was complaining off camera about the ARs not doing their job enough and, and helping out the officials. So I thought I'd, you know, just uh, point the way. So I had a little. Yeah. Yeah. Here's well, the thing, Before you jump into it, Carl, I wanted to be able to, first of all, just let everybody know that a yellow again, first infringement there for Scott Ferrara. But I love I love how you went into almost a second rant. Like you gained a whole new <laughs> level of momentum there. Um, so I best can define your rant as, um, Mr. Referee, I would agree with you, but then we'd just both be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, so, no, but as far as style as far as style of play, I do think it's it's team dependent. I don't think the MLR has a set style of play. There are right. teams that do certain things better. And I think what you're seeing is when you see LA win these big matches, they have a lot of highlight plays. So that's what you're seeing on social media. If you don't watch the other teams play. 
Right. Yeah. So to that point about teams having a differing style of play, that certainly is evident almost in every league, right? But, you know, with with a continent and game spread so far and wide as it is across uh, uh, the two nations here with Canada and, of course, the U.S., and geographically them being so far apart, they've almost developed their own styles. And then, of course, the coaching that comes in also influences that. Then the players that come in influence that. So there's a lot of great influences. But I think we can largely agree that more of those influences on MLR are coming from Southern Hemisphere nations. Would that be fair? Yeah, that would be fair. And I, like I said, I think it's the you know Marty Veal is is New Zealand by birth. He's been in the United States for a long time coaching. Uh, Rooney just got a new attack coach in Matt Bork, who's from New Zealand. But again, you know, you have these guys doing what they they feel is the right plan of attack. But you also see the adjustments when a team has to go do something. It's not just Rooney; it's the other teams well, to close that it separates down. Separates a good and, team from a great team, right? Yeah. And you know, again, we'll we're, we're kind of alluding to this this conversation, but it will be coming up later. And you spoke about Rooney. Rooney does have a versatile uh, uh, platform to be able to build from. You know, they can, of course, play the running rugby. They do have a good kicker who takes really great control of the game at 10 with Holland's head. Um, they also have the heavies up front to be able to keep a solid pack running forward, right? So if they need to ground and pound, they probably could. If they need to be able to swing it out wide, you can feel confident that they could do so. But none of that happens without, first of all, securing the ball, making sure you've got clean uh, ball to the backs. Um, and I think that's where overall MLR is a little bit failing. Now, Rooney might be a little bit ahead there, but overall in the league, I think that's an area that while we're too focused on getting the ball out wide as quickly as you can, it's not quality ball. What do you think there, uh, uh, Rob? Well, I was going to say, like, uh, I know where Scott's going with this one, and, and I certainly thought that, and we'll get to it later, Rooney really played a nice game. They played the game they needed to play and adjusted to their uh, opponent. But um, I, I still think there is a more tendency to be akin to the Southern Hemisphere. And I think about Rugby ATL, who's headed by Scott Lawrence. Scott Lawrence is an American board and bred. But Scott, Scott's team plays a very can play a very expansive game. I mean, just look at the way they where they went after Nola a couple of weeks ago, um, and they went out through the wide channels on two different times, chipped ahead, and scored two off that. Um, and they play a fast game, uh, they play a quick game, uh, and they play very um, in-your-face defensive style. I mean, they they are very quick to get to that gain line, uh, like very many Southern Hemisphere teams. And then they you know they don't contest very much, and they wait for you to make a mistake. Uh, much like L.A. does on defense. You know, they just grind you down, grind you down, wait for you to make a mistake and cough over the ball. And and the last thing I just want to add to this is, is some of this dictated by the personnel. You know, like L.A. just did not play very well because their quarterback, Matt Gitsu, wasn't, wasn't in. Again, we'll talk about that. But, you know, to, to more to that point, you know, Robbie Coleman was had the potential to really play a more expansive game. Um, Guillemont's in there because Coleman's out with a knee injury. And their game has changed a little bit more. They, they're they sticking with a, a good forward pack, good line out, strong scrum, um, you know, kicking to the corner when they can, but kicking for points when they should. So, you know, I think they're adjusting a little bit depending on the personnel because the depth across the league just isn't there. Right. And, you know, sorry. And, and another good example of that is what's happening in San Diego. You know, you do have Carlo DeNice in there starting at the nine and his mm -hmm. backup is Patrick Madden, who is, who is, uh, you know, drafted you know, coming out of college. And then they just signed a third scrum half a from a U20 team. So, you know, they're trying to, they're tr now they have to then go into different tactics to, to 
have that nine ten exchange a little a little different, right? You know, and this is something that I think has now evolved with the help of the law variations. And we had kind of alluded to this a few episodes back, and I couldn't even remember which one it is, even if you had tested me now. But more to the point is the nines have a little bit more breathing room now with the new law variation of input of the ball at the scrum, and of course how close you can you can contest that line. So with that, you're seeing more of this 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 nine ten like nine carrying the ball a little bit more than I might traditionally have done so in the southern hemisphere or in the uh, northern hemisphere. Certainly more than than they do in the northern hemisphere. I'd agree with uh, with that. So that has changed the game. Why has it changed the game? Well, it means that that guy who normally might just be able to accept the ball from the back of the scrum, for those of you that are, are still learning the game of rugby, he would t- normally be the first distributor. And, you know, he would decide, is it going left? Is it going right? Depending on the, on the style of the play, where the position of the field is. Now he's able to take that ball in hand and run a little bit more with it, see what options there are, provide a little bit of a, an extra man on, on the outside. So it has certainly changed the game. That's almost something that's evolved that is uniquely MLR. Wouldn't you guys agree, Kyle? I mean, what are you, your thoughts there? Yeah, I think to your point, it is giving them some more room. Some guys like Andy Ellis still don't get it, in my opinion, and just keep creeping up that way, and they need to stop them. But anyway, that's the old boy we'll talk about that later, apparently. Yeah. Uh, I was a nine at one point, but there's a few things I wanted to touch on there. I think back to Scott's point about the scrums, like penalizing, right? Like, so we were talking about penalizing. I think right. the problem here is, is not the problem, but like referees in general, let's be honest, not from rowers. To your point, don't know the dark arts. So now you're leaving in the hands to win to somebody that's never been up there right so i don't know what the instructions are from head office i don't i don't know what they're doing at all there but i'm just saying like as a former referee at a high level in bc i would be more inclined to give the attacking team the ball and just get the ball away that's my opinion Mm -hmm. right again i have a whole i have a whole thing what we need to do is is you have to have forwards that are referees and you just put them on segways so that way they don't need to worry about fitness during a match (laughs) oh so like rugby league and we could just have one on either side but anyway back to the that's your off yeah, exactly. That's my off. Like, wear magenta anyway, so they're good. I mean, it's because you know the one thing that forwards hate is well, cardio. Yeah, <laughs> that, that would be sport. perfect because then they could go have a smoke break and have a beer at half. Right, right, right. You just like as soon as it crosses that that halfway line, you just chill. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Um, the so, scrum halves are getting more room, especially like at the scrum for sure. Like, right. Without a doubt, that's a great attacking platform now, like okay. more so than in any other league. And it's uniquely um, an MLR at the moment. I don't yeah. personally know of another that same law being trialed elsewhere. Now, other leagues well, are continuing to trial leagues. So let's talk about other leagues and how they compare. One thing that I have in my mind, and I've always come to, come to this because I've watched Super Rugby from its inception, having grown up in South Africa uh, after the Curry Cup, and we suddenly were allowed to be able to compete internationally. You know, Super Rugby was the best, at one time was the best league possible. It's kind of been diluted over the years, but I still believe the same style of rugby is continuing to, to attempt it to be played. What is that style? Running rugby physical game up front followed by great backline play you know arguably arguably too much kicking um but more to the point they did a study in 2019 pre-pandemic right with super rugby in as a whole so the three nations australia uh, oh sorry i should say four because they had an argentinian side then and they decided that there was an average of 37 minutes of rugby in open play that means how much of the ball was in hand during play 
37 minutes out of 80 minutes. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot when you put it in that context, but in comparison, MLR is at 35 uh, at the moment, is what they say. So it's very, very close. So these laws that were introduced at the beginning of the season were all designed to be able to make the game faster and ideally more entertaining. While it hasn't quite achieved the same number of the time in play, I believe it has made it more exciting. And one measurement of that is just by how many tries have been scored. And one of the big points of discussion that's been brewing, and I want to go once around the table to get thoughts on this one, is MLR all about attack? So let's open it up with Kyle. Yes. Okay, short and sweet. <laughs> I like it. Well, no, the laws, obviously, the laws have attained to that. To your point, the scrum half, like I know Mike Lash, I watched his episode and they do it in New Zealand. We do it too up here at the uh, youth levels. So it's the same thing, like the nine doesn't pressure. So you just leave that alone. So I think like they want to attack. They want to have attacking rugby. That's why they've done that. I think that one will stick. It's kind of a no-brainer. Um, but the rucks, kind of messy, not really helping their play. If those were a bit cleaned up, we could be seeing, in my opinion, a bit better flow, right. let's say. Like, because back to Scott's point before, like, they're the rucks are a bit of a mess, right? Like, all over right. the place. You watch it, and it's like, oh, there's guys. Where did he come from? Why is he there? Oh, how did he go over? And I feel like they're just, it's not as stringent as some yeah. of the other ones. Like, you flop over, you're done. Whereas here, it's like, you flop over, I'm going to give you a second, right? And it kind of slows it down a lot for me. Yeah, right. But I think the biggest thing for me with MLR is we're trying to reach a fan base that isn't rugby. If we just stick to people that are rugby, like all of ourselves, mm. it's never going to grow. I think they have that. Audience. That's true. So how do you make it attainable for a fan that isn't a rugby person? Like I took my wife to Seattle last year and she was quite impressed. She's not a rugby person at all. But she was like, that was fun. Like the atmosphere was good. The game was good because the pace was good. Those are the people we need to get to like this league in order for it to sustain. Right. And I think what they're trying to do is leaning towards getting those fans. So, Excellent. Yeah, I think that's a pretty fair assessment. Rob, what are your thoughts on that uh, note? Well, I think we have to keep in mind the defensive structures in MLR haven't quite, you know, aren't quite to what we would typically see in the Northern Hemisphere or even in the Southern Hemisphere, right? I mean, they just have to, they have to come a little longer way. Um, and it'll come with time. They'll get the, you know, as teams gel to get together a little bit more as perhaps more teams have players that are based in the United States and can spend a bit more time organizing their defensive structures. Uh, we'll, we'll see that improve. Um, one of the things I, I, I would like to see is some statistics on transition uh, tries. So how many score, how many tries are scored from transitional play. And that's one thing that's really typical of course of New Zealand is that, you know, the time of possession would be low you know, in their international matches, but yet they would still win. And you'd go, how the hell can they win when they don't have as much time? Right, that ball? perception that you can never count New Zealand out, right? right? Because they can and, score and at any moment. That's right. It's because w when they got you is when they got possession of the ball and they came back and counterattacked and just ran with it. And then, you know, a guy like TJ or, or Nugget was always following up and support and then would be a distributor to somebody else flying by right. on the wing. Well, and so, like that's what LA did the first how many weeks, right? Yep. Like really, they right. didn't have the ball that much. Right. They'd turn it over and DTH right. was gone. And right, exactly and, it, and it comes down to game. which team is also fitter, but also it's you know it's kind of that 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 you know that boxing philosophy is keep them on the ropes, right? You know you know the the rope a dope technique. 
And uh, New Zealand is definitely a great uh, example of that. I mean, I remember in, in competition for probably close to about a decade, um, you know, from 2010 through to probably 2018 almost, New Zealand was unstoppable because they had perfected this style. They would let teams just kind of keep battering at them and defensively they would hold, right? Because that's the key. It's, it's, it doesn't work if you don't have great defense, right? Otherwise, right. you just got to put more points on the board and that's your only strategy. And, and to that point, that does make exciting rugby. But for the true ardent fan, he wants to see just as much of a defensive battle as he does an attacking platform, right? But, you know, more to, to Kyle's point, if you're brand new, what do you want to see? You want to see what defines rugby, which is exciting running rugby, great hits, and awesome points, right? So, Scott, what are your thoughts there in that regard? Well, I think the new law of variation is obvious, like everybody said, is meant to be attacking. And I think what <clears throat> I think the issue the MLR is seeing on defense, and this is something I've been thinking about since people have been talking about. It. I mean, they've been talking about it online for weeks. And I, I think because it's a new league, think about how much head coaching turnover we had. Think about how much player turnover we had. So that means the squads from 2019 and 2018 not only have different coaching systems, have different player systems. How are those symbiotic? So what kind of analysis do you really get to try and mm -hmm. figure out somebody's attack? So like when we had Scott Lawrence on, he said, you know, one of the biggest things somebody should get when they're starting a team first before even a head coach is, is an analyst. Get a yeah. great analyst to analyze everything. So what kind of analysis are, are you getting out of teams who in 2018 played this style with this set of team, 2019 played this style, 2020 did, there wasn't a style and then nobody played preseason games against each other. So all you have is the last six matches and they might've had a bye week So maybe it was only the last five matches and maybe the wind was 60 miles an hour in San Diego. So what kind of game did you right. actually, what kind of game data did you get from that? So oh, I'm wondering uh, Las Vegas, it, right? Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, in San Diego <laughs> playing in Las Vegas. Come on, Ted. But so what kind of data points are you getting versus like if you want to, if you want, you know, I can always go back to college football. You know, there's certain teams that are always going to run the I for pro I formation. There are certain teams that are going to run the RPO, you know, run run pass option. Right. So it, you can kind of you have all that data to look at. And at the MLR, you uh, don't, Scott. Well, I think... I'm going to interrupt you there only to give you oh. a bonus point. Uh, because well, I was I gonna... you, you probably yeah. have summed up the conversation in in in, the, in an easy manner. Like, how can we define a league's style of rugby when it's constantly evolving and it has every year had a new set of challenges and a new set of rules and a new identity around it? Um, so, I mean, is it just the case of it's too soon to tell? Yeah. I, I I do th I think you have to establish you know have these teams established with coaching staffs for a little bit and maybe have the not so much player turnover and then you could say oh there's a pattern in Rooney's attack every single year you know right yeah I think and, that's and fair and I think without consistency throughout the league yeah and I was gonna say without having guys here full time like really like they came mm -hmm. in how long before the season how long did they have to put these systems in place this isn't a league where you're making seven figures a year. Right? right, so they don't have the time nor the manpower in order to be doing this yet. And on that note, let's take it once around the table again, just to be able to summarize this segment here. When we had asked the question, for those of you that are watching at home, the question was, what style of rugby best defines Major League Rugby as it stands, and how does it compare to leagues elsewhere in the world? So at the beginning, we had opened up the rant with Kyle, and Kyle had suggested that it best suited a Southern Hemisphere platform style and running rugby. 
That was same thought was echoed, but then identified more closely to being a Tasman style link to Australian rugby uh, union. Uh, Scott said that, you know, it has elements of both. So again, let's go once around the table, gentlemen. Is it now too soon to actually tell what is Major League Rugby style? And is it too soon to compare it to other leagues? Yes or no? Kyle, what do you say? Yes. <clears throat> MLR right. is playing MLR, I feel. And, you know, it, it, they're taking what they know from home because it, just like we just talked about and I just mentioned, I don't feel like they've had enough time to practice together, to be together, to do all of that, to have these styles fully take over yet. So it was a it was a good round there, gents, because you kind of changed my mind a little bit. But I think that's a, that's a good way to look at it. All right, it doesn't happen like often. <laughs> uh, Rob, your thoughts? I think it's more of an expansive style. I think that the league wants it that way. They want to keep it more running. I mean, it's obvious in the law variations that they're trying to do that. And it's also obvious by some of the influences from you know you don't see a lot of English coaches coming to the United States to coach in the MLR. You see it largely from the Southern Hemisphere, mostly from the Tasman. Um, you know, that being said, you know, uh, let's see what the future holds as more players are based in the United States, as more coaches are based and stay in the United States to organize uh, teams prior to what, you know, February? Right. <laughs> you yeah. know, I mean, as it is, there, there are quite a few coaches that are not staying in the United States in the offseason. They're going back, and therefore the teams can't organize as quickly and get as thorough uh, a preparation for the season. Fair enough. Enjoy those comments. Scott, you have the final thought. Oh boy! And before, before, yeah, before, before I don't choke that, on I was going to try guy. and I was going to try and get myself out of the yellow card by saying this bonus point. You know, earlier this week, uh, the NFL schedule came out, and October twenty third, Allegiant Stadium, the Death Star, is open. The Raiders are not playing there. We haven't seen the college schedule yet, but the Raiders are not playing there. So, you know, that All Blacks Test match might be, or that AB fifteen or whatever we're going to call it, right, might they be haven't on might, yet. Yeah, but you know, I I was trying to dig myself out of that yellow card with that. But I think again, I, I think it's it's to be determined what style, what 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 they're trending to is more open, expansive Southern Hemisphere style. But I think you're still going to see teams, especially in the United States. You know, American fans love the scrum; they love set pieces as well. You know, mm -hmm. and you have to, and you do have to cater to those fans too. You know, there's a lot of those fans who are so adamant that rugby league is not rugby because you have canceled those items in 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 rugby so you you really if mlr really you know is looking at it i i understand they want the the excitement they want to draw people in but you know they do have to cater to to the other fans like me who love those set pieces right those same fans that have already proven to support rugby in the u.s by attending mm -hmm. an all blacks game irish games uh and beyond right those guys that are happy to be able to spend a hundred bucks a ticket to be able to go and see uh top quality rugby and so it's a difficult balance to be able to strike between the two but so far mlr has been doing a well enough job we just hope it doesn't go too far to one side or the other so I, you know i just wanted to say i think they can still have set pieces and have expansive games i mean look at what la is the mm -hmm. creativity they're bringing to the yep. to the table off the line Absolutely. out and and uh, and, and Nola did, had a couple of really nice lineout moves in the same vein, not quite as executed quite as well, but um, yeah. nevertheless, uh, I think you're going to see it. Um, but I it's, absolutely it's agree more with about that. the control game, controlling the pace of play, controlling the game with kicks and possession and territory games rather than, um, you know, uh, transitional um, well, rugby. And to your I point on the scrums, agree. I think there can be a there can be a mandate there to not have ten resets 
but you don't have to penalize or whatever after the second, right? Right. Like there's some stuff there to play with, but yeah, there's there's leeway. There's leeway. Yeah, like you know, they could be told after two, let's try and make a decision. Sometimes there's not one, right? Like I was saying, like as a referee, if there wasn't one, what do you do? You give the ball to the attacking team. Let's get away. So, anyways, moving on. Moving on is the final words that I'd like to be able to uh, dwell on for a moment. So uh, once again, it has been an opportunity to be able to discuss at length with our uh, panel of uh, experts here um, to be able to share our thoughts on what defines Major League Rugby, what style and how does it compare to other leagues from across the globe. Now, as it stands, a very young league, I think we all agree that it's still evolving, but what has already evolved is a running rugby expansive style, best taken from the uh, the lessons served through Southern Hemisphere style of rugby, as its influence is seen with players and coaches and even management and onto ownership as well. So it sends a message that it is leaning that way. So um, yet still a lot to be seen and that's where we stand here on the rugby rant podcast show make sure that you like follow and rate us online under the handle at rugby rant pod where you can find us through social media and any of your podcast providers that you enjoy under the handle at rugby rant pod we will see you at the next segment where we will be taking time to learn more about what we think as we dig into the battle between the guiltinis and Rooney from this past weekend. So make sure that you follow us on social media to get more of that content under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod. Once again, my name is Ty Braga. On behalf of Scott Ferrara, the big guy, and of course, Rob Hammerschmidt, the hammer, and then Kyle Ferguson, who we call the mouth. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for watching this episode of the Rugby Rant Podcast, and we'll see you at the next. Rugby Coffee was born out of two passions, provided ethically sourced coffee promoting the growth and development of rugby by combining these two passions the folks at rugby coffee see an opportunity to bring people together and together we can make a difference rugby coffee invests 10 percent of their profits into giving kids opportunities to play rugby and projects that help uplift communities these endeavors have been transformational in many kids lives and uplifted and empowered these communities the boys of rugby coffee have launched three distinct brews jouet jouet champions cup and crowd favorite which is a North American mild blend. Get your pre-orders in now while you can in order to get these wonderfully tasting brews at your doorstep so you're ready to enjoy a great cup of coffee and an awesome conversation. A simple vision can be transformational. Rugby is a sport can inspire communities, bring hope, and provide opportunity. Rugby coffee, it's not just a game, it's a way of life. Welcome back, rugby fans. Again, of course, you are watching the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. My name is Ty Brogger, your host for today's activities, alongside, of course, Scott Ferrara, the big guy. And then, of course, joining him, you got Rob the Hammer, Hammer Schmidt. And uh, from the rugby shop, we have Kyle Ferguson. And this debate here is going to be talking about the Giltinis matchup against Rooney. Now, this was an interesting battle. It was the first cup introduced as the coast-to-coast battle. The Champagne Cup is its official title, but unofficially known as the coast-to-coast, which I believe we had spoken about in quite a few episodes back, didn't we, gentlemen? (laughs) Yes, we did. Absolutely. Apparently, someone is listening out there, and uh, we do take consultation fees from now on. Uh, so with that in mind, this was pegged as a battle between West and East. Two conferences uh, separate them. 
Uh, so it really didn't mean a lot for the uh, uh, the Giltinis, but it meant a lot for Rooney, who managed to be able to secure a position higher with, of course, an eventual win, which did come as a surprise, I think, to every Major League Rugby fan who, uh, you know, a couple episodes back, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, maybe two or three weeks back, we were having a conversation about the Giltinis, whether they were unstoppable or not, right? And uh, here we are, where that hey. magic has happened. The the rug the rugby rant super uh, uh, and the rugby shop super brew. I think out of seventy one people, like four uh, went with Rooney. One of them I was being not one right of them. There. So <laughs> before and you that get was close to the score, I did pick Seattle last weekend. Just saying, and, so. and and by the way, <laughs> the only reason it did that is because they wouldn't let him back in the city of New York yeah. if he would have voted for L.A. <laughs> <laughs> Now, wouldn't that have been that really been funny the one that's, time? That's how the saying goes. Yeah, What's wouldn't that have been really funny if the one time Scott Verard decided to go turncoat and this would have been that game? But he didn't, I'm oh, sure. you mean like Craig Grudelli? Oh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mike Parazzini, Craig Grudelli and Mike Parazzini, I'm calling you guys out. You've been called uh, out. So what is it that you always say, uh, Scott? Uh, you know people who can put you in a trunk? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. so uh the new york way right so Absolutely. gentlemen let's let's take an opportunity to once again frame this conversation for those of you that are watching at home round eight brought an interesting matchup and there was of course plenty of interesting results across the board but we're going to focus on just the one for this banter here and that is the final score line of 18 to 16 a low scoring affair in what some may describe as a defensive battle, which is hardly the words that are thrown around in Major League Rugby these days. However, it did mean that Rooney came out on tops despite what many people had said, and we're here to be able to dig in to see why. And to be able to share his thoughts first, we're going to hand it over to Kyle Ferguson from the Rugby Shop. Jeez, pressure's on. I thought you were going to give it to the guy who actually picked Rooney to win because there's only one of them here and maybe in the entire country. <laughs> Why did country. you pick Giltinis, so. my friend? <laughs> <laughs> Why wouldn't you? I mean, the way they were playing, there was no reason not to, let's be fair. They looked absolutely fantastic, but Rooney did exactly what they needed to do. They played grind them out style. They took the ball away and they didn't give it back, right? And when they did give it back, their pressure was very, very flat and they they picked on the gaps where they knew LA was going to run to and I think not having Gitto there just obviously killed them in a way because he reads those defensive holes so much faster than almost anybody in the league I would say right now so he can find those and hence when we were talking before about DTH you know that guy in support is just dynamite so when you got Gitto finding those holes and you got these guys running off of them they're pretty much unstoppable so you get Gitto back and they play again we'll see what happens but in that game there, they played it perfectly. I mean, they're 10. I can never remember his name, but he's a he's a great player. Watching him week in, week out, he's been he's been really fun to watch. Um, and not having Foden in didn't hurt them at all. Again, not good with the names on this team, but the fullback, <laughs> outstanding stuff. Like, Troy really outstanding. Yeah, he had a great game. And to yeah. have that guy behind Foden is uh, quite the luxury there in Rooney because those two guys are pretty fantastic. Right. So, um, and that's obviously, Rooney... the front row. Yeah. Yeah. Also Sorry, won the battle. So yeah, that's it. They won the battle, right? They beat him up up front, and uh, yeah. my buddy Mike Lash had a great game there at uh, wearing the magenta in the middle, and uh, 
you know, if I think all around, it was just a really, really good game to watch. I enjoyed watching that one on the weekend and it definitely kept entertainment, like kept you watching. So it right. was good. It had that suspense filled uh, uh, moments that you love and enjoy about rugby where you sit on the edge of your seat, kind of in anticipation what's next, because it felt like for the first time, the Giltinis were on the back foot and were on the back foot yeah. early. Um, which is not a comfortable position for them to be able to play from. In fact, well. <laughs> talking about some of the stats, uh, Rooney had 60% of the possession. This says that they were playing, forced to play from their own half in almost uh, every attack. So as you as you pointed out, they weren't giving them much to work with. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, whether it was a question about tactics being the key difference or some mitigating factors that they perhaps didn't have their key uh, player of Gitto, that decision maker in in there to be able to spot those uh, those weaknesses. You know, a lot of things that we could unpack there, but let's first swing it over to Scott to be able to hear the counter argument there <laughs> in favor of Rooney, of course. So Scott, let it flow. We're, we're still cooking, boys. And the other thing I wanted to point out is the big guy said that Toronto and Atlanta should play for a trophy because they were sharing facilities about two months ago. And all of a sudden, the fire and ice cup is born. But let's talk about my roosters. So here's the thing. You know, you would think Ben Foden not being there, um, you know, your exit kicks would, would, would you know, kind of, they would change the flow of the match. It really didn't. Holland's head with his exit kicks uh, right right on point. Um, the, the few times that Troy Lockyer did his exit kicks, they were booming. They were where they needed to be. Um, what Rooney did in this match and what they've done in other matches, but, you know, obviously the blowouts, it was something lacking, was what I call one and done tackling. The first guy makes contact and drops the ball runner. The second guy comes in and either poaches the ball or you don't even necessarily have to poach the ball, but just try and set up a counter ruck quick and see what happens and then maybe fall to an A gap or wherever they're supposed to go, depending on where the, the field position uh, the field position is. Rooney did that in this match. Will Leonard was a beast. I think he had 11 tackles. He was running into contact on the defensive side and making sure that he was dropping guys one-on-one. Joel Miranda, a young kid, um, same thing, you know, you didn't see that from him uh, in prior matches, and he was coming up and hitting the contact on the wing. Um, Quinn Nawadi setting up the defensive back line, called it perfectly. Um, he was calling when when uh, um, he saw that L.A. was going to do their switchbacks, um, and I think the only time they really broke it was on DTH's run. You know, he ran in support. I forgot who he was. I forgot who he was running with. He ran in support, got the ball on an offload, and, and took it. And then uh, one or two times, Langing Langing, when he came in as, as a replacement, came in and ran a switch back as an eight-man, which you rarely see. But with his athleticism and build, you can see why he could do it. And, you know, he broke it. But luckily, I think one of them, he knocked it on. And the second one, he didn't have support, so it got poached. So Rooney did everything on the defensive side. The offensive side, I felt, was a little lacking. Um, you know, you can't win off a of Hans Head's boot all the time. Um, you know, so I think they really have to, they just got a new attack coach. I, obviously he didn't have time to implement anything, but he'd start, he has to start implementing things quickly because it's, I feel it's the same old attack and they're getting shut down inside the five meter line and they have to figure out, you know, it's crunch time down there. We need to change something. Um, and then really the other, the, the other, I just want to say there's two big plays. Um, the first one was a questionable kick from LA that uh, I was there. I was sitting, you know, midfield so i don't have the best view um you know any kick if you're sitting at a stadium you don't really know if it went through people who were behind it according to those people said it went around the post people on television said it was questionable um but you know what the st- the, the flags went up so the referees called it but what I, what I think was actually the turning point with about four minutes left harry bennett comes on um 
and they move some people around, and Harry Bennett has a has a large boot, and he, he kicks an exit kick. Right for the board. Yeah, he kicked an exit kick. Unbelievable. That, wow. I, DTH wasn't had didn't have the depth for. I guess he didn't think because Rooney was at that point was almost kicking into the wind kind of because the wind had shifted. Um, so yeah. I thought DTH thought it was going to be short. It went over his head and bounced and bounced and, and went out of bounds. And it it was took a wicked that Harry Bennett rolling yeah. like it was another grubber yeah. kick right behind him. <laughs> yeah, and but that's those are the types of kicks Harry Bennett is good. He, he's he's accurate and he has the the strength on it. And th at that point, the Giltinis kind of fell flat, and then the match was the match. right. And of course, to be able to bring it into greater context, at that time, that final ten minutes was marred with yellow cards. So you had on both sides, I think, separated by four minutes, there were yellow cards. Out, yeah. um, so they were in quick succession, at least. Um, and then you had that, that momentum shift where, you know, Rooney took a late lead. Well, they took a lead a little bit further on, but I'm saying they took that yeah. in that final stretch, which put Giltinis under serious pressure. It was a territory they had not been before. They had never been put to the test in that fashion. Uh, and then that kick from uh, Bennett over the head because DTH was playing shallow. Uh, he should have probably been about 10 meters further back than his positioning was uh, to run onto the ball and not run back to the ball. Obviously, Bennett, looking at the gap, took it. And it, it, it kind of, in that moment, you felt the game was already won. I would agree with that, yep. Rob, what are some of your thoughts? First of all, what I notice is, so the game is about to open up and Matt McCarthy is announcing and McCarthy says, and Scott, I don't know if you saw this or watched the replay, he goes, and this is a huge win for Rooney. At the beginning of the game, it was almost prophetic. And I went, <laughs> wait a minute. And he goes, I mean, this is a huge game for Rooney. And so at the end of the game, you know I went, McCarthy voted for in the Super Bowl, right? <laughs> McCarthy's, McCarthy's a freaking genius. So um, like, like Johnny Carson and, you know, Karnak, uh, so um, here's, here's what I noticed. I, I thought Rooney played the perfect game with the exception of the yellow card, as you talked about. They really, it was an entire team effort. You know, it's funny, as you guys talked about Rooney and, and why they won, you, I heard a bunch of names. It, yes, Holland's had scored all their points, right, uh, with his boot. But um, the fact that we're talking about Brakely, the fact that we're talking about Bennett, the fact that we're talking about, what about Savetta doing some of the hard work, you know, the yeoman's work? What about, you know, Kyle Sumption? What Sumption? What about uh, our, our guy? Um, um, who, who's your boy? Uh, um, uh, uh, Scott, uh, the prop, Anthony. Um, oh, yeah. Anthony, Anthony Perry coming in I mean, late in. Yeah. Coming in, Anthony Perry. And, and the, them, Rooney winning a couple of different scrums, just shoving LA back. I mean, it was the perfect game for them. You know, Hollins had only missed one kick. He had some great chip and chases, you know, some great chip kicks to really put LA on the back foot. Um, and they just controlled the pace of play, slowing down L.A. ball. And and, and I got to be frank, you know, I really like the play of Langy Langy through most of up to this week. But, uh, you know, he he really um, uh, lost a handle on a couple of balls when he that, that normally he doesn't do. And I and, think and uh, they, just they, they just got disrupted. They just got their gameplay got disrupted. And I think just one last thing. I really think L.A. not only did they miss get to. They missed Glenn Bryce, who got injured early yeah. on in the first half. And to talk about Lang Langy's um, um, issues with the ball, it did when he came on is when it started to rain. So you know if you're if you if you've warmed up with a dry ball the entire match and then you haven't played, then you come in and it starts to rain. 
you know, you have those issues. So I, I think that was more of just the weather and, and that's what happens. But also Rooney, the first 15 minutes, uh, Juan Manuel Leg, uh, Leguzman went wow. out. Um, he went in into a hard uh, hit on the defense to make a tackle. And uh, I don't know if he sprained his knee, but it was a knee injury. And that brings Kyle Sumption on. And Kyle Sumption ran like a man frigging possessed. Um, on the on the restart kicks, no friggin' yeah, right fear. Right down the sideline, like I think he, uh, he he broke about two or three tackles yeah. before finally hitting the ground. It's it's if you guys haven't seen Kyle Sumption play, I've been a fan of Kyle Sumption for years. Uh, I consider him a friend. And he's a, a New York guy. boy, right? Tri-State area boy. No, no, no. He's he's actually uh, he's actually out from out west, believe it or not. Okay. But he 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 lives. He's he's been living here for a long a while. Um, right. He uh, he coaches at West Point, but. Him and then I wanted again Quinn Nawadi, I think on defense uh, was was another unsung hero, another guy who was making one and done tackles and he calls it. He's the cop. He's he's calling what the defensive line's going to do. So you know he, they played it perfect. Um, but yeah, Kyle Sumption, man, he's a rugby Viking dude. Dude doesn't go down. So let's take an opportunity to be able to look at some of those mitigating factors that people are inevitably going to throw out there, right? So. We had already spoken about uh, some key players not present in the Giltini squad. So it was, a, for lack of a better term, it wasn't their best team on the field, right? And we know that for a variety of different reasons. And now as we get deeper into the season, all teams have this uh, to a certain degree, right? But there's a lot of people that have been saying it's so difficult for guys that have played on the international stage and have played leagues overseas to now suddenly be thrown from playing at uh, one of the greatest stadiums available to them at the Coliseum, which is almost, for lack of a better term, pitch perfect, right, as they say, uh, to now be thrown to Cochrane Stadium, which has a multitude of different markings for different sports. Um, you're losing a little bit of a width. Um, which in some cases, you know, I don't know who it was, but put a foot out and there was a running uh, opportunity for try, but there was a foot out and it was called back. If you had that extra meter, you would have been on the inside. But then again, would you also have had a defender there because they would have been playing wider? So you could always pick in at these points, but there'd always be another counter argument. Or, to it, right? Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I mean, but at that point, if you're going to talk about width, they go by the soccer rules. What soccer soccer pitches are 68 meters, and rugby pitches can be 68 to 70 meters. So my point is, you know, you know, the best defender is the is the touchline. So friggin' run inside, <laughs> right? And 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 there's merit to, to that. And um, you know, so so. Let's. I, I mean, I pretty much know what Scott's going to say about it, but I was going to ask: Do you think these mitigating factors are of great importance um, that could have affected this game, uh, or not? I mean, let's ask Kyle first. Okay, no, Scott, go ahead. Uh, we know go what Scott's going to say. Well, no, because what I'm going to say is being being at the three home matches. You know who I saw the most mistakes on the field were by Rooney kicking the ball and their exit right. kicks, thinking they're behind the 22 and they're not. People don't realize though. The way they've they've done it is they put the flags to twenty two, so the guys know. So and and I think in in my opinion, a more more players go by the the flag in their peripheral vision than the line actually down. You know how many guys are looking down when they're kicking at the line to see where they're at, versus taking a quick glance to see where the flag is at. You know, so the only time I've seen people have issues are were Rooney kickers in the first two matches kicking it and and not realizing they're in front of it. So. You know, if 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 Rooney is the only per- people having issues with it, there's no there's no mitigation. You know what I mean? Lights well, go. Kyle, with your refereeing experience, if you had to be able to a officiate a game 
on 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 something that resembled uh, you know a, a cross to hashing like that would that be difficult for you do you think that is a mitigating factor for Giltinis? uh it is tough that's for sure especially when you're not there all the time to scott's point like rooney makes mistakes there too though and everybody will at that point mm-hmm. um as a referee I mean, yeah, you... again yeah it's not to disrupt you but it is important to note i don't think we actually said it Cochrane stadium is not a rooney stadium yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a field they're using. <laughs> well, they're also playing out of their element. I mean, they should be looking at the flags. I'm come on, right? Like they, that's just errors at the end of the day. Same with the touchline to me. That's errors. But to go sort of back to what you were asking, the mitigating factors and people not being available, I feel like that has more to do with um, guys playing on turf that aren't used to it. I feel like the turf is playing havoc on some guys' bodies that just are not used to it. And again, like knowing some referees and things like that, like even them, they're like, we have never, we don't have this. Like they're not used to the turf. The turf is a lot different. Uh, being refereed at turf, I refed out here at UBC and they have like top of the line yeah, turf, which is great. Segra field, we saw a really nasty concussion because of a tackle yep. on the, uh, the turf right. uh, there. So it's different, right? It's different on your body. It's different the way you tackle. You see the guys all taped up on their arms so they don't get the rug rash all over themselves, right? So it's just... I feel like that's playing more of a part and why these guys also are having to take time off. They're not used to the wear and tear on the body from that aspect. And the ball bounces differently on the turf too. You notice that in the first. Rooney knows that story. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But it was, I mean, there's a, you know, there's a lot of sloppy play early on with the first 10 minutes. And I think a part of it was due to the wind, but the other part of it was due to uh, the funny bounce of the ball. And, you know, also to kick for touch, um, you know, when you're actually trying to put it, in play and then bouncing out of bounds, you know, it's really hard to tell, you know, how much where do you want it to land? Yeah, how, where do you want it to land and how much effort, you know, how much oomph do you put on it to get it to go inside that five meter, cha- you know, line or that mm-hmm. five meter channel on the side? Get a new well, Luke Cardi. That was that was one of the things that LA excelled at was Luke Cardi putting it inside the five meters. They just couldn't convert. Yeah. I think that one the a factor you didn't see on television, but I talked in my pre match show for the Rooney fans was the wind was going from from where so coming at the camera angle. So if you noticed, all of the all everybody who went for touch was coming at the camera because the wind was coming directly across the field that way. So trying to kick into it, you knew it was never going to come into touch. So I think that was a mitigating factor to say you can really only start your set pieces on one side of the field and then throw it out to the other side on your attack. So it was kind of you know, right. precipitous that you knew you knew as a defender. They're going to have to kick for touch this way, and then we know what they're going to do when they bring the ball that way. You would think GTH would have seen that when it went over his head. (laughs) Well, that was that exit kick kick was a little different because it was in play, you know, like it wasn't. It was particularly good. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. no, it was a great kick. I'm just saying, you think you would have noticed that by that point in the game. But but also, DTH, I think, has played every match, and he, I don't, has he Uh, been taken out yet? He missed okay, one and game. and yeah. and he goes deep into matches. I mean, we're talking. He was now at the whatever seventy six minute, you know, of a guy who runs the He's way he playing runs. at least so two just, thirds of the game for sure. Yeah, and so it's just you know, it's one mental lapse that killed him, but that it was enough. So right, and that's the only oh, one I've seen from him all year. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, he was great on defense. He's another guy great on defense, dropping guys on tackles, and he pinches yeah. balls. Like being a Canadian fan, like watching that guy play for the last however many years, like. He's a beast. Like, man, and he plays like another back forward. top level, which is great, you know. But, yeah. you know, these these type of things where players aren't used to that and doing it at this level again and again, you do want to be able to rest some of your key players. That's normal, right? And if you are going to do that, maybe if you are the Giltini's uh, management and coaching staff, you go, if I was going to be able to rest a player, this would be the game. 
because what did it mean to them? It was a cross-conference uh, matchup, so they weren't at any risk of losing position in their uh, in their uh, particular table, right? Because even if they lost the game, they're not dropping. They got so many points in hand. And then overall, even across the entire league, they're still on top. So they had a game, for lack of a better term, a freebie. And they may have chosen to use it in this occasion. So, I mean, that's a pretty... <sighs> tactical strategic manner to look at it but really i mean if this was yes it was the coast to coast cup but was it really the best competition available with who they could have had uh had well, it's also indicative of their conference you know you know i yeah. think um the eastern conference when they go to play the western conference and crossover are going to try and have to not they might not be able to play some of the guys they want to play and kind of take some some guys off the, the stove, per se, because it's so tight, whereas L.A. has such a lead, they figure they can drop one. Um, yeah. I also think that you know it's indicative of tactics. If you look at Rooney, you know Ben Foden played against Toronto because Tussolet's there, and you know it's, it's two great attacking, kicking fullbacks that you want to play against each other. This week, you know, the, the Glenn Bryce, you know, is okay, but you can put Troy Lockyer back there and still have that that advantage. So, you know, it's 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 tactile and, and picking those pieces. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, let's go once around the table to be able to summarize this uh, debate over here. And uh, let's hear from each of you again. Um, what is your final uh, thoughts on, on, on this game? Do you think that ultimately Rooney played uh, a, a great game and just outplayed them? Or do you think that... Uh, um, Giltinis were short on ammunition and they played a much lower standard than they've become accustomed to. Kyle, you can open it up. All right. Well, as I alluded to, LA was missing people, but to me, that's still no excuse. It doesn't matter who's out there. This is a professional league. You're playing the team you're playing. So Rooney did what they needed to do to win the game against the team that was out there. It's still right. a win over an undefeated team, right? Like it's it's all of those things. And I think you have to give them kudos for that um the only thing i would say i don't know scott if you watched it back on tv but man those rooney guys they talk a lot to the referee and whatnot throughout the game but like you could hear it no but like you know you sort of look at me but like Lock you could hear it a lot did me right? well if yeah. we're, if we're no, already talking if we're already questioning too, right? where like, if we're really questioning whether a kick went through the sticks maybe they should be talking well but that's no. not the referee's fault. No, but anyway, I mean, I'm just saying yeah. as in general, without that kick, though, like it happened throughout the game. And like, I'm not saying it's just Rooney. I think it's a lot of the guys. And I think that just is bringing um, that down a bit. Our game, like the rugby game, that's not to me how it's meant to be played and how guys are supposed to act on the field. So like you heard JP Doyle the other week kind of getting, he was getting back at him, right? And people are like, oh, this is great. Again, to me, not, that's not great. I just wanted to sort of talk about that a little bit in that, there's just a lot of chatter out there that I feel isn't necessary. And I think from LA, you didn't hear it. They just went about their business. So that's my opinion from watching it on TV. Wasn't there, but you know, there was no talking LA about talking after the whistle. There was a lot of talking to me about having something to say about everything. So just a comment. That's all right. They won the game though. They all played them. Yeah. I mean, all. a win is a win and the points are on the board, right? And it's put Rooney yeah. in a better position in their own conference that has secured them uh, you know, a, a good stead moving into the next matchup because they are the giant slayer right now as it stands, and that's on record, and that's what counts, right? Rob, your final thoughts? Uh, I think Rooney played the perfect game. 
Uh, they just they played very well. They played the game they needed to play. They controlled uh, every, every phase of the play they needed to control. And and their big dogs uh, stepped up and played played very well this uh, this time. And they made McCarthy look like a yeah. genius. Totally. So because uh, it was a huge win. Yeah, true. Yeah. So uh, and that's it, guys. We're not going to let Scott talk because we know what he's going to say. <laughs> No, like what Scott, else can we say? Than... Final thoughts. Well, this this will get this will get Kyle going. So my you know I I played hockey my whole life. My father played hockey his whole life, yeah. and he always had the mantra: it doesn't have to look pretty. It just has to go in when you score a goal. That's the same thing with rugby. It doesn't have to look pretty as long as you put more points on the board. You got yeah. those four points. Um, but what I do think, Rooney, and this this goes back to 2019, Rooney lacks in the bonus points, and that's why it's put them in the position that they're in second place now to. A Nola team that has one less win than they do. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so I mean, it's don't worry, still, we'll beat you in the semis. Yeah. Well, no, no matter what, the Eastern Conference is still the most exciting because it's almost anything can happen. Still, the point separation is still, uh, uh, you know, quite volatile. It can swing with one or two changes in the game. The Giltini side in the Western Conference, you feel like it's it's a, a little more predictable. And, and certainly it felt like that before this matchup. And I think one of the greatest takeaways is that the Giltinis are not unstoppable, right? Uh, they obviously do have flaws like every other team. And as the season progresses, uh, they'll use perhaps what Rooney has now brought forth as a model because it has revealed some of their weaknesses. And if that means that you have to be able to hope that the weather's shitty every time, I'm sure that they will do a rain dance if they need to. Um, but, you know, more importantly, you take the opportunities that are given to you. You use a tactic and you stick to it. And the one credit that I will certainly say that rings true with everything we say is that Rooney played a better game because they played to their strengths. And because they did so, so successfully, Giltinis were not able to play to their strengths. So, once again, we need to be able to uh, crown a winner for this episode. And as it stands, we have debated the point on whether or how do we best define Major League Rugby's style of play in comparison to other leagues, which, of course, was in the first part of this, uh, this debate. And then we went on to be able to talk about the Giltinis and Rooney matchup in round eight. Overall, I felt that even uh, there, there were some yellow cards dealt out. Uh, the winner will be crowned as Mr. Scott Ferrara. Yes. Rigged. Rigged. So the Coast to Coast Cup goes to Rooney one more time. Champagne <laughs> Cup, baby. The guy can go two number. minutes over and still come away with yeah. the win. Well, well you're, you're, bonus point, Rob. Bonus you're Mr. Bonus Point. Bonus point. Yeah. Built off my, bo my comment, by the way. It's a, it's so, a Rooney thing. Yeah. Rob was the one chatting the ref saying I need a yellow card. What's that bullshit? Yeah. <laughs> but hold on, hold on. You should have realized something was probably up there, Rob, because three of us are wearing Rooney gear and uh, you're the odd one out. <laughs> it was just subtle suggestions around the screen. <laughs> but, uh, right. uh, you know, I wanted to be able to take care of all that matters. Yeah. <laughs> So let's 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 take a moment to be able to once again thank our uh, guest ranter here, Carl Ferguson from the Rugby Shop. We'd like to be able to, before we head out on each episode, give the floor to our guests to be able to send a shout out to anybody important, a special message you want to be able to send out there. Your opportunity is here. 
Thanks. <laughs> a man, I would like to say a few words, but we know that's not true. That's not true. <laughs> but uh, no, you know, again, nobody. Just like the last time, I don't think anybody that I would like to say I love very much would even listen to me. So on this way, <laughs> so love Certainly you, Danielle. Really Haley, their spare time to be able to listen to you. <laughs> no, they listen to the mouth enough at home, so they don't need right. to listen to it here for an hour. Well. Uh, we want to be able to uh, to take the opportunity to thank you and, of course, thank you as our viewer of the Rugby Rant uh, for continuing to be able to support us. And now, and continuing forward, you can find us on uh, social media under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod. We release new episodes every Monday and every Thursday. So, again, make sure that you follow us on the handle uh, at Rugby Rant Pod, where you can continue to get updates by liking, subscribing, and of course, if you go ahead and rate our content as well, it does help us when you can find us online through your favorite uh, streaming provider under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod. And of course, uh, it, this has been an opportunity to be able to share episode 50 with you. So a bit of a milestone for us and the gang here. Very happy, and I'm sure there will be plenty more to be able to come. But until then, I want to be able to say thanks from myself, Ty Braga, on behalf, of course, of Scott Ferrara, Rob Hammerschmidt, and Carl Ferguson. You have been watching another episode of the Rugby Rant Podcast Show, and we will see you at the next. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.